It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 185, entitled New, New, New. It was recorded on Monday the 15th of November 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I will be joined this week by two brand new guests never been on the show before. First we've got Ken Elliott and also we have Kim Coleman. It's an absolute pleasure to have them on and we had a really nice chat about a lot of WordPress stuff as we always do. First thing up, Pagely has been acquired by GoDaddy. Pagely is a very, very experienced managed WordPress hosting company, and they've joined the GoDaddy family. What do we all think of that? We also get to talk about something which I started a week ago, and it's got all out of hand. It's the WP Builds WordPress Awards for 2021. It's a page where you can basically buy yourself onto the awards page you can become a winner 100% guaranteed if you donate a little bit of money to Big Orange Heart. We also talk about a new plugin called Lemon Squeezy which has come onto the market and it does basically the same job as easy digital downloads. We also talk about whether or not the WP admin is in need of a bit of TLC and touch upon WP adminify as a plugin that may be able to help that. A security problem this week on the security website talking about skimming a spoofer which enables people to skim credit card details from your WooCommerce website. AMP, Accelerated Mobile Pages, is a Google technology and it seems that they're in the doghouse about it and maybe Automatic is getting dragged into the argument as well. And that's it. I hope that you enjoy the show. Leave us a comment if you've got anything to say. But for now, I hope that you enjoy it. Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome wherever you are in the world. It's very nice to have you with us. This is exciting because I've got two people that I've never spoken to before, literally <laughs> never spoken to before until about, I don't know, about eight minutes ago. And uh, and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome two new guests to the show today. You can probably see from the, uh, the little bits at the bottom that they are Kim Coleman and uh, Ken Elliott. How are you doing, Kim? Very good, very good. Happy Monday morning here in Pennsylvania. Yes, I, I have got you up at nine o'clock on a Monday morning, which is literally the worst time, uh, I think, to get you up. And I, I feel that the same could be true for Ken, Ken Elliott, who's joining us as well. Is it nine o'clock there? It's nine o'clock in South Carolina. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, I'm going to do your sort of formal introductions, if that's all right. I'll start with Kim. Um, part of the the show notes that we ask the the people on the the show to do is to submit a little little very informal biography. So I'm just going to read them out. I'll do Kim's first. Kim Coleman has worked with WordPress for over 15 years, wearing many hats, including developer, designer, marketer, and founder at her company Stranger Studios. She leads a creative team of 15 people building open source technology and producing digital content to help people get paid. The flagship products include popular membership plugin Paid Membership Pro and Sitewide Sales, a new tool for automating sales with WooCommerce EDD and PM Pro. And we will get to something in the lines of EDD in a little while. But thank you for joining us today, Kim. Appreciate that. Good, and thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I'm sure we'll enjoy your expertise. And Ken, Ken Elliott is a recovering code addict and now co-owner of B Creative with a K, media solutions based out of Columbia, South Carolina. He is also the co-organizer of the Columbia WordPress Meetup Group. Ken's goal is to help small and medium-sized businesses to grow their audience by providing online visibility 
and services. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you both. Obviously, if you've listened to those introductions, we've got a real range and depth of experience in the WordPress space. I'm going to do my usual bits of housekeeping, if that's all right with you two guys. Um, If you are joining us today, please go to, well, there's a couple of places that you can go. You can either go to WP Builds. In fact, I'll put it on the screen. Either go to wpbuilds.com forward slash live. That is uh, an embed of YouTube. And so over there, you can be logged into Google if you wish to comment. Alternatively, you can go to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, and that will take you to the Facebook group Um, and you can comment in there. However, Facebook are slightly, uh, they've got a bit more of a walled garden as regards commenting. And if you wish to have your avatar appear or you want your name to appear, then you'd need to go to this URL. It's really tiny on the screen there, but it's chat.restream.io forward slash FB. Once more, chat.restream.io forward slash FB, and you have to give them permission. Uh, a kludge to that, if you, if you don't want to let us know who you are, in other words, if you don't want Facebook to have that permission, what you can do is just type your name at the beginning with a comment. So you could say, you know, John Smith, and then write your comment, and then we know who you are regardless, which is quite nice. The other thing to say would be if you want to just quickly go and share this podcast, we'd really appreciate that. As I say, the best link probably is go to wpbelds.com forward slash live, so do that now. Pause this or, you know, open another tab, go and share it on the Twitter, the Facebook, wherever it may be, and uh, come and have a listen. We've got about, well, I don't know, 85 minutes of WordPressy stuff ahead of us. And as always, if you want to drop a comment in about where you are, who you are, and all of those kind of things, please feel free to do that at the beginning. That would be really nice. I can see Matt Davis has dropped in a comment. Matt Davis in the UK. You can always tell when it's a Monday, as it's the day when Nathan looks like he's had a shower. Yes, <laughs> yes. There is some word on this and my general level of cleanliness. A bit later, we will actually be talking this week about how clean or otherwise I am, but more in store later. And uh, thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. Right, it's a WordPress podcast, so we might as well get stuck into some WordPressy things. Uh, everything that we do is based over at wpbuilds.com. You know the drill. Go over there and uh, click all sorts of buttons and subscribe to as many things as you possibly can. And, you know, generally go and explore the podcast. That would be really nice. But first news, big news this week. That is a very plain page, isn't it? I have to say, when you first hit that page, you are sort of welcomed with more or less grayness. But it's um, it's over on the pagely.com website and it's on their blog and it's simply entitled, We Did It. Question then, I suppose, is, well, what did you do? And they got bought. They got bought by... Dun, 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 dun. They have agreed... Oh, look at that. Look what happens when you highlight something. That's funky. Um, they've agreed to be bought by GoDaddy. Okay, so on this page, it explains, it's actually a really nice piece, I've got to say. They, they, they say a lot about themselves, the two founders, and it, it talks about their journey and how they set up, and they really didn't know what they were doing, but they stuck with it, had a mission, and, and some 15 or so years later, whatever it is now, they, they're kind of like leading the, the, the push. You know, they were the first company to offer, in inverted commas, managed WordPress hosting. I know there's a lot of that going around now. It seemed to be more on the sort of enterprise level. Last time I looked, their pricing was a little bit higher than you might pay at some of the other managed WordPress hosting companies. But um, after a period of time, I guess they want to to move on and, uh, and you know, pastures new. It's quite an interesting pitch because rather than saying that we've been bought by GoDaddy, they kind of turn it on its head 
and more or less they're kind of saying we allowed GoDaddy to buy us um, and the reason we've allowed them to buy us is because we actually think that we can improve them which is which is quite an interesting pitch I can't remember exactly where it was but in here somewhere it says duh, 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 duh. it works so, so we did it our way and it all worked this is the text just here it worked so well that one of the largest internet brands in the world GoDaddy wants us to help them to be more like us that's really curious. So, like I said, no no money has uh, been disclosed as far as I know, but I'm curious. Um, and because we don't know each other, Kim and Ken, there's this sort of awkward period where nobody wants to interrupt anybody and everybody feels like, is it my turn? Is it my turn? The truth is, just bot in whenever you want. Just blurt out whenever. Yeah, yeah, just okay. get in there. So <laughs> over to you. You blurt whatever you want. Well, I'll, I'll start because I'm also co-founded with my husband and bootstrapped. Um, and when I read this acquisition and I mean, when I read about other acquisitions, uh, I think about just the family and the personal lives of the founders. And I don't think a lot of articles have really captured um, just kind of what stage everyone who's selling right now is in. Like we're mid thirties to mid forties. We have kids in like the two to 10 year old range, like um, I think there's a lot under the hood of, of the personal life and the shift you get when you decide to sell like this that just isn't being talked about. Oh, that's really interesting. That's yeah, it's, yeah. That, that is good. Yeah. And um, so that then leads me to ask, when are you selling? No. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched but that some is of a bit... our direct competitors, some kind of ones kind of sell. And I think it does raise a lot of concern within our team and our customers kind of. We're at that stage too. Our kids are nine and 13 almost 13. Um, so we're at that stage too, where we're kind of reevaluating what does the future look like for us in, in these next few years and having teenagers, but we have no plans right now to sell. Well, it's quite interesting because uh, although that that stuff was writ large on the piece. I didn't really pick up on it, and I'm glad that you did. But now that I've just scrolled through, there's about four pictures, like really personal pictures of, you know, here we are on holiday, here we are on a on some sort of tuk-tuk, here we are in a garden hugging and all of this kind of thing. And you're right. It is a really personal angle, isn't it? And you've got things like um, Pippin. Uh, selling recently, and you've got um, Elliot, not 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 Ken Elliot, um, Elliot <laughs> Condon selling recently, and I wonder if the uh, if the justification does come down to look, I've done my time. Let's just have a bit of let's just have a bit of normality and family. Anyway, sorry, Ken. I think I think you said the big buzzword there is time. It's a matter of how much time do you want to continue to commit to what you're doing. I mean, we all are passionate about what we're giving to the community to WordPress. But at the same point, you want to eventually get to that place of, okay, I'm getting paid. I'm getting my freedom back. Now I can go and invest back into my children and create those memories. Because really, when we're, we're alive, our whole purpose for living is to create those memories with the ones we love. And if we're not going to create those memories, then we feel like we're lost in that ever going um you know, chase tail, circle tail thing that we were like, what is life really about? And so I think eventually you have to get to the point where, hey, I need to focus. I, I want to spend more time with my family. I want to create those memories that when, you know, I leave here, I can say, hey, this was great. I, I did what I had to do on this earth. What a great bunch of people we've got on the show today. This, is, this is great really you're talking my language i love all this stuff i mean i i've deliberately tried to make my life as in terms of work try to really lean away from doing lots of work to doing less work in order to to foster time with my kids and you know i 
kind of regard myself in a sense as a bit of a part-timer in that. And um, <laughs> that was a decision that I made long ago because I had exactly the same thought process as you, Ken, which was simply what, what will I be if, if in 50 years' time I look back, <laughs> good grief, you know, assuming I get there, and think, oh, do you know what? I, I wish I'd worked harder as opposed to I wish I'd spent more time with my kids, and I know which one uh, it would would have more regret. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, you know, if you, and I think on. the opening tagline for me is just exactly what it is, where you talk about recovering addicted code addict, because early on when I started, I was always, okay, is my client not satisfied? Okay, now I got to go and spend 16, 17, 18 hours, okay, to resolve whatever the issue is. Okay, I got to make sure that the deadline is met. And at what compromise? And yeah. so eventually you say, okay, I can't compromise the things that I love that are with me every day to satisfy a client just to make sure that they're making or taking care of whatever their need is. It's great because we know we're all big about customer service. That's really important, which is the other thing I noticed in that article was customer service was the is a big thing for them. And any company that says customer service automatically just tugs at my heartstrings for whatever reason. I don't know what it is about customer service, but I'm a big advocate for any company that talks about customer service. And that, that feels closely aligned to GoDaddy as well. I think um, they kind of catered to like a lower end, less less um, expensive maybe um, per ticket for customers. But I think most people will say that they have responsive customer service um, and definitely their team that I'm friends with on Twitter is very positive and you know, they're always saying great things. They have a great like social network of, of people sharing and, you know, kind of advocating for, for GoDaddy. So it seems like a good alignment for those reasons. Yeah. And um, just I'll just add a few comments in at this point. First of all, Daniel, thanks for joining us in Tampa, Florida. He's probably nine o'clock as well, I would imagine. Um, and then Paul Paul Davis, sorry, Matt, Paul Davis. I've got Paul Lacey mixed with Matt <laughs> Davis in my head here. Page, you're an amazing company. He said he was sad to see the sale to GoDaddy originally, but it makes sense, especially when you consider just how much they've, Pagely, added to the managed WordPress ecosystem. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. The um, And then he goes on to say, and I think this is replying to something I said, as for no money, the blog post talks about multi-millionaires being minted. Yeah, they actually did say in the article, didn't they, that, that they themselves, I think, are now in the millionaire category and that also they believe they've a rising tide carries all boats that their employees have also been taken up in this swell what i meant to say there matt i should have been more specific is it doesn't disclose the amount of money um that was changing hands so yeah um so it's going to be a considerable amount for an extremely well-rounded system platform and team of great thinkers yeah really good point and We'll just have to see where this goes. You know, maybe maybe in a year's time, six months' time, GoDaddy will firmly be pivoting that, maybe rebranding it or just calling it Pagely and go in for that incredibly managed WordPress hosting. I mean, they've got the hub and all of that kind of stuff and GoDaddy Pro and yeah, we'll have to see how that one goes. Paul Lacey, oh, I don't know what to say about this. Paul Lacey, whose avatar isn't even available. Great insights, Ken and Kim. Certainly a time where so many people are reevaluating. Yeah, good. Thank you for that. Okay, so there we go. Pagely has been acquired by GoDaddy. Keep your um, ears to the ground and uh, see what you think. Okay, right. Let me move on. We've got another article. Let me just pop the screen back on. Oops. This button is highly unorthodox. 
Okay, Paul, I am so glad that you're in the comments here, actually, because Paul Lacey, it never made it into the show notes this week. But Paul, I don't know if you want to share the URL of the piece that you wrote recently. I think what we'll do is end up talking about your piece next week. But as you know, the show notes sort of get created on Friday and it never made it in. But um, this piece did. This is Tom McFarlane, who I read more or less everything that he writes. And uh, he's got this piece over at TomMcFarlane.com. And it's entitled, Play by the Rules and Be Careful What You Write. Now, there's no quick way of summing this up, but basically it goes a bit like this. A a while ago, Tom wrote something which could be described as a little bit controversial. And in essence, people jumped in. And despite the fact that he's been in the community for ages and he's committed code and he's been helping out in core and he's done all these wonderful things and made people's lives immeasurably better, it doesn't take much to to get the, the storm of um, protest going, shall we say. And the comments blew up and, and it, all of a sudden it got personal to the point where he felt that individuals were getting attacked and um, and he, he wrote to the individual who appeared to be under attack and said, shall I pull the comments? And they said, no, no, leave it up. We can see where the conversation goes. And essentially it goes like this. He's now reevaluating his strategy regarding what kind of content that he'll produce. And it feels almost in a way as if he's he's drawn himself in a little bit and he wants to be more careful about the content that he produces. So in the past, he was quite happy to write about community and all of those kind of things. But now he's being much more specific. In the future, he's going to, and it's on the screen, he's going to define his content. He's going to define what his intent is when he produces content. And also, it sounds like he's going to stick firmly in the in the camp of sort of writing about something where there's not really too much controversy. In other words, he's going to stick to the things like code. And and I just actually wondered if either of you two had any thoughts on this. And by thoughts on this, I mean, you know, do you, when you've got your websites being deployed for clients, do you tell them to switch comments on? Do you have everything wide open? Do you tell them that the world's a beautiful place? Nothing, nothing untoward can happen. Open up the comments, let the floodgates go. Or are you a bit like Tom? Are you thinking, actually, do you know what? In this day and age, ban down the hatches and be careful, be mindful, write thoughtfully, never write anything that could be considered controversial. So again, the floor's open. One of you, go for it. I was going to let Kim go first, but... Uh... Okay, I can go. Um, definitely, we actually on our own website turned off comments, I think a year ago, because first of all, we weren't um, moderating them quickly. So time would go on and then we would go see and like a paid member would comment on something, kind of have a support request um, so we realized people were using comments, at least on our own technical product blog, uh, to get support. And it wasn't the right place. Most of the time I would, you know, uh, trash the comment, directly email the person and say, like, you know, you meant to ask for support. This is unrelated. Um, definitely on our own site. But I think to this article, what I took from it is that we've, because we've lacked face-to-face uh, word camps and meetups, um, we've kind of lost rapport with people. So um, just that you know, engine of social media and commenting has just given everyone a little bit more strength to be bold and be outspoken. But we don't look at people face to face and have these conversations in hallway tracks like we used to. So mm. I think it's it's in part because of that. That's good. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think just because of how it is, how the internet is anyway, um, we all have just got to be very mindful with everything that we say. And so just being very 
you know, some of the things you would just ramble out there, like you could say, ran, like even here or even what you could say, um, as you mentioned, Kim, face to face, those conversations that you could have. If you say that in a place like online, anybody and everybody can scrutinize what you're saying. And so they feel as if, OK, is this an attack on me? And it may not even be an attack on them. It's just that they insinuate, hey, and even and even when you put people's names into it. I think people just feel as if, you know, hey, this is free reign. I got a screen behind me. I'm I'm protected. You can't attack me in person. So I'm going to say whatever I want. And if you really want to do something about it, I guess here's my address. But <laughs> I, I truly think people just have to kind of calm down, relax and really think, OK, is this really an attack on me? Am I really are we really trying to attack people? Or are we trying to attack an idea or a thought? If we really want to see something get better, then we're going to actually attack the idea and try to deconstruct and reconstruct into something better, not attack an actual individual person. Yeah, kind of WordPress has the the mission of democratizing publishing, and, and it, it totally is doing that. And I suppose you could argue, although it is hidden behind some sort of advertising model facebook and twitter and all of those platforms you know probably have a similar purpose you know the intention is whether or not it gets confused is is just to let people push stuff out online and and whilst that's great nobody really wants the flack that comes with it nobody really <laughs> wants to put something up there you know even if you're um, and I realize that you guys both in the United States, a lot of the, that sort of free speech stuff is protected by the Constitution and the laws that you have. I'm not quite sure what the position in the UK is, but certainly we seem to have a really robust system of allowing people to say what they like. But, you know, if you're putting something out there which is at best modestly controversial, you know, or at least you're just putting an opinion out and, and you hit click and then you get deluged by bile and and people just expressing shock and horror and wonder at how dare you write this kind of stuff it, it's it's strange and, and I, I think in a sense this persona that people have got has evolved over the last 20 years this anonymity that you can have on the internet especially on wordpress where you can literally post a comment as you just Absolutely. make up a name and uh, and submit it with a made up email address and you're you're off to the races and policing yeah. that kind of stuff is a big job. And I'm sure that even the thickest skinned person, when they read something which is personal and incendiary and deliberately harmful, there's going to be a moment where you go, oh, you know, just a deflating experience. And maybe Tom's had a little bit of that. I don't really have the answer, but I, I am curious as to as to what you guys did. And And I think I share your opinion, Kim. I think were I into publishing client websites now, I probably would be telling people, just switch off the comments. Um, I took a tip out of Kev Quirk, who is a UK a cybersecurity guy, and he he has hijacked the comment system on WordPress and, and replaced it with a button which launches your email client. Um, the idea being, if you really want to get in touch with him, just stick it in an email and then, yeah. you know, and I feel like that barrier to entry and then, of course, there's the whole <laughs> there's the whole side of the just people writing absolute drivel as an SEO hit, trying and to that's get things. exactly what it is. It's the SEO. Some people just like the more people that are pinging your page, the more likely. Oh, this must be really important. And here you go. Now you have traction on a page that probably doesn't deserve that much traction. Yeah. 
Let's um, let's put some some thoughts in here. Michelle Frechette, who is on the show very often and is destined to be more on the show, uh, along with Ken, um, she says, "Hear me out. Moderate comments, Michelle. By that, do you mean that like just open the floodgates, but tick it on as a as a moderating option?" Yeah, my experience of that is is mixed. Number one, it doesn't stop the horrible stuff that you don't actually want to read getting in there, and number two, uh, it just sometimes just fills up with stuff, and you just go delete, 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 delete. <laughs> Delete, delete, and it's just clearly some robot that's decided your website's fun. <laughs> I think there's also like an ethics to that because you've published something, you've opened comments and said like, "I want to hear what you have to say," but then you're moderating, so you're, you know, throwing some things out and keeping some. So you know, in a sense, you know, it's not an open comment floor; it's not public. Yeah, um, it has this second layer of a, of a human, you know, validating or throwing something away so that's like an interesting thing as well yeah yeah i think michelle's right and if if she can yeah. if she can keep on top of it and likes to you know do that whole process which i'm sure she does but in your case kim it said that it all got a bit you all just got behind and it was never on like the sop of important things to do it was always like at the bottom somewhere and never got yes. done kind of thing yeah yeah, we would, on a Friday afternoon, me and one of my team members would grab a glass of wine and process comments and just laugh because we were like, what are they talking about? Yeah, or, what even you is know, that? Yeah. An article yeah, yeah. about one product thing would be totally unrelated comment. We were like, oh, these yeah. are hard. <laughs> okay, so we've got a few comments in. The first one is to, is we have to rewind a little bit because some of these are about the, the GoDaddy Pagely piece and Paul's saying that he's uh, he's really you know, he's obviously pleased to see it. He thinks that GoDaddy and Pagely are two great companies. That's right. Uh, the, Go, the GoDaddy Bills podcast is going to be a different experience in 2022. That's right. We also hope to be millionaires by selling to uh, to GoDaddy by the end of this. Maybe by the end of the show. You never know. Let's see what happens. Um, various people saying good morning. And uh, Chris Hughes is nobody touches beloved Kinster. So it doesn't care what happens with other hosting companies, just leave Kinster alone. Uh, I'm struggling to keep up. Da, 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 da. Okay, so Daniel says uh, WP drama. I love this hashtag. <laughs> you can use it. You can deploy this at any moment for almost anything. And yes, we've definitely created a WP drama. And Paul Lacey um, in the WP projects is so open. Sorry, did that, was that if... Okay, in the WP project, it's so open. If you question the bigger picture, then there is always an angle to think that it was an attack on an innocent individual caught in the crossfire. It's a problem within the structure. Uh, okay, thank you. Yeah, Paul, we'll yeah. surface your piece next week, I think, and you never know. I might even be able to drag you on for 10 seconds and uh, call you a traitor, as I, uh, <laughs> as I always do. Do you know the story of that? I won't bore you. Uh, he knows. He knows it's a, it's a joke. Uh, okay, let's move on. Oh, there's loads in there. Shall we carry on with the comments for a second? Do, do, do. Yeah, let's keep going. Are you enjoying that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I was saying, Michelle, did you mean you were going to moderate the comments more? And you said yes, but you can let the ones in that you want to. Yes, I agree. Um, there are some websites that I managed in the past that were so inundated with spam, you know, like four or 5,000 a week, that that process became totally unmanageable. And despite their best efforts with plugins and all sorts of strategies, it, it, it was just switch off or or there was no hope. There was no way of sifting out the wheat from the chaff, but it sounds like Michelle, you've... you know, let me ask a quick question. This might be even a good question here, Kim. I'm, I'm going to ask you here just because I'm loving the wine and review <laughs> process. <laughs> so let me ask a quick, so how much time are you dedicating? And I'm, and I'm going to just say a week. 
Um, how much time are you dedicating a week to moderating comments? Back then, I would say maybe two hours <gasps> a week wow. when they were on. Because yeah. we waited until that Friday, and then we saw there was like 100 unmoderated comments. And we like, oh, my God, you know. But most people are using email support. So, you know, we're email every day, you know, 30 to 50 emails. But those comments just sat and sat. Okay. It's an interesting amount of time, isn't it? Would that be sustainable for you, Ken, two hours a week? So that's like a 20th of your working week, something like that. Oh, man. See, and and that's what I was kind of wondering, because if I sit there and I bring in a couple of my team, I know how my team is. They're like, really? We're going to look at comments for X amount of time? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Eh, let's have them send an email to us or hit us in Slack or any of the number of communication tools that we use but um moderating comments probably not not for us um here's a really good point from chris which we haven't really touched on i've several clients who have their comments kept on they have complete control over them compared to things like facebook etc that's a really good point uh their pages with comments on on appear to get better lifts in the serps too okay that's another really good point so obviously if you are moderating and as um michelle here says to keep out the vitriol and spam and they're adding something to the conversation if you're lucky enough to have commenters who are writing really useful on message things it's more seo juice isn't it and um Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, the, the the whole two hours thing, that's that's quite amazing, actually. I'm I'm amazed that you stuck stuck with it for as long as you did. That's remarkable. Um <laughs> the wine helps, I'm sure. Yes. It was actually eight minutes. <laughs> it was one hour fifty-two of cracking jokes and having a slug on the wine, and then eight minutes clicking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a really interesting piece. That prompted a lot of a lot of debate. So thank you, Tom, for prompting us to talk about that that's really interesting we went off in a really different set of directions there okay speaking of different set of directions this <laughs> i don't even know what to say this I, I i i seem to be promoting myself more these days and i apologize for that but i couldn't let this one go because i actually thought that this was um this was really funny i put a spurious poll up on the wp builds website and i called it the wp builds web wordpress awards 2021 and when i put it up there was one option and it was the first one this one and it was best wordpress podcast called wp builds and you didn't get a choice you had to click the button for me and then submit the form and then over on twitter uh, jamie marsland from poodle press um came to me and he said i'll give you ten dollars i think he said ten pounds but ten dollars if you make me the, the the best wordpress tennis player and so there he is. Look, he is now officially in 2021. I mean, it's totally official, right? It's completely official. He is the best WordPress tennis player um, for this year because he donated $10 to Big Orange Heart. And so now this page has sort of gone a bit out of control. We've probably got like, I don't know, what, however many that is. It's probably about 25 or so people on there who've given, and this is the point, you don't give me Give Big Orange Heart $10. We all know what Big Orange Heart are and what they do. And essentially, if you go to Big Orange Heart and you donate them a minimum of $10, which I believe is their uh, smallest donation, then come back to this page, which is W... Let me copy it into the chat. That might be a bit easier. Let me see if I can add it as a caption. There we go. Um, If you go to that page, then you can fill it out and you can pay 
to be the best in whatever category you please this year. I mean, how about that as an offer? You just give Big Orange Heart some money and you will officially be the best at something. I mean, it's a bargain. Uh, and I might even give you a sticker or something when the whole thing's over. If you give me I, a yeah. sticker, I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we're on. Okay, so just so that we know where we're at. This year, so far, um, the best WP Builds podcast is WP Builds. The most unique display advertising goes to Jeff Chandler for his little trains. I don't know if you've oh, seen yeah. that on WP Mainline. The best WordPress tennis player, as we said, is Jamie Marsland. Um, Michelle Frechette is actually triplets masquerading as one person. <laughs> if you know Michelle, she's here in the comments. She literally she does the work of like nine people. So she is so gifted. Yeah, so triplets is underselling yourself there, Michelle. Best WordPress podcaster, Bob Don. Actually, to be fair to Bob, he said, name whatever category you like. I'll give him some money. And so I said, well, you are the best WordPress podcaster. So that's there. Uh, here we go. This is my reference to earlier, the least clean member of the WordPress community. <laughs> that's me. I won that one. Um, the best WordPress writer who points things out like they ought to be is um, Eric Karkovac. And I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly, but I hope I have. The most traitorous podcast co-host in the WordPress community. Well, that's Paul Lacey. <laughs> the best gnome collector, Leanne Milton. It just gets more ridiculous. Best mitten knitter in the WordPress community is Heather Gray. Uh, Justin Tadlock, the best WordPress Halo player. The best online directory of WordPress live streams uh, is actually WP live streams. That was a more sensible one from Daniel Schutzmith, who is, I think, in the comments still, maybe. Um, best WordPress dog walker, David McCann. Uh, who else have we got? Best no <laughs> Love this. So there was obviously the most traitorous podcaster. Well, as a rebuttal, Andrew Palmer came back, the best non-traitorous co-host of the WP Tonic podcast. And then somebody contacted me and said, I wanted to be the best tennis player in the WordPress community. And I said, well, what about the bestest best tennis player? And they, they <laughs> bit, um, bestest best WordPress tennis player is Nigel M. Rogers. And, uh, and I had a message uh, from Jamie who said, we really should decide this properly, you know, get the the tennis rackets out. Um, best Afrikaans speaking WordPress community member hosting a summit. That's Anshin LaRue, who I know very well. Um, so cool she changes global warming is Cynthia Anand. And finally, uh, the most awesome 13-year-old in sorry, the most most awesome 13-year-old in the world is Isaac Coleman. Now I wonder who Isaac Coleman is. <laughs> I think at, at this stage in his life, my job as mother is embarrassed, embarrassed, embarrassed. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to show him this later. He's just going to curl into a ball. <laughs> I think that's absolutely brilliant that you did that. And and now it's official. There is nobody on the planet who is of the age of 13 who is as cool as him. And, <laughs> you know, it's totally official. So anyway, please, I should put that URL back up. Uh, please go to that, wpbuilds.com forward. I should have made the slog better than that, but there you go. wpbuilds dash, sorry, wp dash builds dash WordPress dash awards dash 2021. <laughs> I might change that for next week because it's going for another, oh, it was at the top. 30 days, I think. Up. Yeah, another 30 days you've got to make your own money. Let's get up to a thousand dollars let's see if we can get this real big up to a thousand dollars spread the word if nothing else it'll make people chuckle because it's absolutely ridiculous so um kim you've obviously cast your vote we now know about um you know your very cool 13 year old son isaac but what about you ken what would you uh, nominate yourself for i will most likely be 
the best WordPress hallway speaker. Nice. I think I've considered that because I love having conversations in the hallway. It's always the best time. And people are like, Ken, are you going to session? No, I think I'm going to just sit and chat with you all in the hallway. <laughs> that's great i i can't wait for the day when i meet you because we often have this conversation about word camps and stuff and yes. i think more or less everybody is in agreement that the hallway is if not equal to quite honestly sometimes better because at least in the hallway you're guaranteed to have a chat with somebody whereas in the hallway you know in the uh, in the presentations it could be hit could be missed for you personally but the hallway is great okay right well i, I expect to see the email Drop yes. in ever so- <laughs> no, yes. no pressure. Once, once this is over, I am going to send it ASAP. <laughs> oh, you're very good. $10 to Big Orange Heart. Make the WordPress community better. They do amazing work, and they kind of need your help. So, okay. Right. I'm going to miss out that, um, that one that we talked about before the show was started. I'm going to go straight to this one. A new product came, um, came my way this week. You've probably heard about it. It's been in various blog posts and things like that, but I'm... Curious to see about this. This is a thing called Lemon Squeezy. And I, I in error, assumed that this was a British-built uh, uh, plugin because I, in error, assumed that Lemon Squeezy was a British thing. That was a, a, a saying that we had in Britain because we have this product called Lemon Squeezy. And it, it's like a, it looks like a lemon. It's a plastic lemon and it's got lemon juice in it and you squeeze it over your pancakes or oh, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it's called yeah. Lemon Squeezy. So I just thought it's got to be pretty. It's not. It's not. But what it is, it's an easy digital downloads. That's the best way to describe it. Think easy digital downloads and, um, and think of all the things that it does. This is a product trying to, it would appear, emulate the same sort of functionality. So in other words, imagine you've got a digital product and you wish to sell it out into the wider world. Um, at the moment, you can use all sorts of SaaS solutions, but but for a variety of reasons, the default one in WordPress seems to be easy digital downloads. I'm sure many of the people watching this have you know, bought things via easy digital downloads or implemented it themselves. So we have a, a different rival. Uh, lemonsqueezy.com. Um, you can see it's billing itself as selling products in the easy peasy way. You create a store, as you might expect. You can sell your products. Looks like at the minute you can do things like um, offer payments by card or with PayPal. Um, it's got a fairly traditional sort of payment system and what have you. Um, there's options to bolt on, and I don't know in what state of development or readiness these are. Email marketing bundles and upsells, lead magnets, discount codes. They've got uh, reporting, so you can see how things have been going. All of the normal stuff, I guess. And uh, particularly Kim, because I know that this is something, you know, with Paid Memberships Pro and all of the different integrations that you've got. You said you've got an EDD integration with Paid Memberships Pro, We do. Pro, That's, right? um, it's separate of our subscription membership thing, um, but it's just for putting EDD on a timed sale. So a product in EDD could be on sale from, you know, 12 a.m. till 11.59 p.m. for a day um, and it turns itself on and off. So a little different than this, but I do see some overlap with this product and our membership one because they're going to do subscriptions and digital products. So I'm interested to watch where this goes. Um, but looking, we looked at it and the WordPress plugin kind of under the hood uh, and really is just a connector to their SaaS platform. So um, where a membership plugin or EDD, your users are sitting on your site, um, the subscriptions and the account management kind of all feels integrated. It's part of your WordPress admin. It's part of your front end. Um, with this, uh, it's all going to sit and on the lemon squeezy side. So 
you know, there's pros and cons to that, uh, owning your list, owning your, your users or having them um, elsewhere. So I think that's the heart of this conversation, maybe. Can so can we drill down on that a bit? Because you've you've obviously got more insight and you've explored more um, in this than I have. But on the on the EDD side, if a sale or a transaction takes place, all of that data goes into tables in the WordPress database, and you are therefore the custodian of that data. And in the in this the last over the last few years, that kind of stuff has become more important than ever. Certainly, things like GDPR, and I'm sure there's equivalent things happening over in the US that um, that mean that that data is not something you can sort of trivially manage. Now, you've got to make sure that you know what you're doing with it. And are you saying that on your investigation, Lemon Squeeze is taking a different approach? They're storing it on their side, right? Yeah, I, I dug into kind of the how it works, and even taxes um, and things like that. And VAT, they're handling on their side. So it's something that as the, the merchant, you're not registering with a bunch of states and, and countries and having your own kind mm-hmm. of payment for taxes. They're they're handling that piece, which I think, you know, anything legal as a small business without a huge team of people behind you, uh, if you can, you know, offload that to someone else and, and not lose sleep at night, you know, that's kind of a great thing. Yeah, that's a really interesting part. I, I mentioned to you both that prior to the to doing this podcast. I did several e-commerce sites, nothing with WooCommerce. It was all with Magento, but there was a moment in time when I just literally got too scared about it. I just thought, I don't want the responsibility for this. And, you know, some of the sites were taking in considerable revenue. And I thought, I'm just happy building regular brochure type websites. And so I stepped away. And now more than ever, I think I'd be concerned if I was building these websites in case there was something that you know, got hacked or was taken away and the people were going to come after me. So it is kind of like a UVP for them, isn't it? We'll take care. All of the data is on us. We're just going to look after that. You got any thoughts on this, Ken? I was trying to think of some questions here. Um, I think one of the things I look at, because as one who have used um, WC uh, WooCommerce, um, one of the things I always concerned about is using plugins, um, not I mean, using on um, payments in the kind of the payment transactions um, choice, like between PayPal and between um, Square, which are kind of the two big ones that are out there right now uh, for payments. But um, Kim, just out of um, curiosity, like, is do you have a preference of what type of payment platform you want to use? Or are you, are you just have to use whichever one that the um, SaaS provides to you? Um, with Lemon Squeezy, I, I think it's built into theirs. I would imagine it's Stripe under the hood, but I don't know for sure. Um, I did read that they make payouts to you as as the business through PayPal or a direct pay. Um, but we ourselves use Stripe with our plugin. That's our most popularly used payment gateway integration. Um, and then PayPal is a close second. So um, I think developers prefer coding for Stripe because it's uh, they're clearly documented and they're kind of a leader in uh, especially subscriptions and billing type uh, APIs. So uh, definitely above PayPal. Um, and then a lot of the older gateways you would think of like an authorized.net. Um, Stripe is mm-hmm. leaps and bounds ahead of them. Oh, yeah. I, I've had my first experience with Stripe um, this year. And I don't know if I said Square. I might have said Square earlier. But um, I meant to say Stripe. But um, yeah, with Stripe, I, without a doubt, I wish I would have used Stripe. I wish Stripe would have been here years ago when I was building these uh, WooCommerce sites. Um, it's it's amazing. It's just click, click, add um, the API, the um, keys, and you're done. I love it. It's forever forward. I'm <laughs> advising Stripe any chance yeah. I can get. It, there's just no 
there's, it's just so simple, isn't it? Yeah, I remember when they awesome. first came out, they they build themselves. Maybe they still do. I don't know. I never go to the Stripe homepage anymore, but they build themselves <laughs> as um, payments for developers. Um, and it was basically just a collection of forms, wasn't it, that they handled in the background. And I'm just going to put the page on, actually, because it's, it's curious, actually. They don't say Kim, or at least I can't find a reference to it. I wonder if I did a Command F and then searched for Stripe if it would work. But they, they talk about the fact that they accept cards and PayPal. And curious thing on the on the pricing side here is that the the fee, you can see in all cases, whether you go on their basic plan or their pro plan or the advanced plan, it, it feels like they're their three plans that they've got. They don't speak about anything else. Um, it, they're charging uh, 3.5% plus 30 cent per transaction. I'm always used to seeing 29 Mm-hmm. Plus, I believe twenty is what I'm used to seeing, or something yeah. like that. Anyway, so there, there seems to be a little bit of markup here, and I wonder if that's because they are taking on the the, the GDPR type burden. You know, they're hosting the data, and for that, they're going to take a well, let's say a zero point five, zero point six percent cut on top of the Stripe fee. But then, Kim, you also mentioned that recurring subscriptions actually have a different tariff to just one-off payments. Yeah, so with Stripe now, they've this is a pretty recent update, and um, PayPal did as well. They've upped the recurring billing um, to add an additional half a percent. So maybe this, if this is backed by Stripe, um, the 2.9 plus a half, 3.4, they're still getting a little bit per transaction, which I think is where, for SaaS, that's where you want to be. Um, it aligns your goals with your customers' goals. The more they sell, the more you make. Um, so it's, I think, smart. We're trying to do it with our product as well. Mm. Um, create those alignments. So, yeah, that is cool. good. Yeah, yeah, that makes a that's a really strong argument, isn't it? I actually did did just do a uh, search for on this page and look for the word Stripe, and I didn't find it. But um, whatever they're using, you know, if they're if they're taking that burden from you, whether it's Stripe or I don't know Braintree or something equivalent, it you don't have to worry about it. So if you're happy with those numbers, I'm going to be interviewing. Um, one of the developers from Lemon Squeezy for a podcast, which will probably appear in the new year, but I'm going to be interviewing this week. So I'll definitely get those questions asked about the about the payment processes and how it all works and where the data is held, because that's probably going to be one of the major concerns. But yeah. Okay. So cool. So if you're in, if selling stuff, products, whatever, digital stuff, I should say, uh, Lemon Squeezy is a new, a new player. Go and check it out. LemonSqueezy.com. Two E's and a Z, as we say in the UK. All right. Now, <laughs> WP Adminify. Okay, so this is just me having a bit of a bit of a moan. I've changed my tune about this. Until very recently, I was very happy with the WordPress admin area. I thought, it's fine. It's totally fine. And I was just kind of just in it all the time, thinking, I'm totally used to it. I'm clicking around. I'm more than happy. And then I did get to start being a bit more critical. And I, with a critical eye, I went to some other apps. You know, I've got I've got Gmail over here, and it's constantly changing and adapting. And I've got Evernote, and I've got things like Notion and all these other SaaS apps. And, and for the first time ever, I actually thought, okay, I'm going to stare at those and see how they do things, and then I'm going to go back to the WordPress admin. And I was left with a feeling pretty quickly that actually I think a bit of an update is long overdue. I, I don't have any insight into whether the core team is going to be making those modifications. But before we go on to the purpose of why I'm bringing this up, in other words, this WP Adminify, which isn't really news, it's just it's been reviewed, so I thought I'd raise it. Um 
what do you guys think about the back end of WordPress? You know, are you happy showing this stuff to clients or do you do the, play the game of let's just strip it all out and change it? Let's hide things. Let's change the colors. Let's, let's modify it so that it's, I don't know, different fonts, different colors, different everything. Do you do any of that sort of stuff? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I I will say this. Um I don't only because WordPress is universal and I don't want to do a whole bunch of confusion. Um mm-hmm. you know, if you've used WordPress in the past and you see, oh, let's do customizations, your clients get a little nervous and I have to do brand new trainings on, okay, how do you navigate this new interface for the administrative dashboard? So that's my biggest fear. Now, do I think uh, UI design is well overdue? UX design is well overdue? Absolutely. Because, I mean, we're looking at other platforms that are doing a really good job in modernizing, I'm saying that terribly, but um, (laughs) (laughs) um, the interface and it looks really crisp and clean and organized and it looks new. And you look at the WordPress dashboard and it has looked the same since, gosh, the early 2010s. Um, So I would absolutely love a refresh of the um, administrative dashboard. So People could feel like, oh, okay, WordPress is coming up. We, we know it's improving, but when you look at the back end, it doesn't seem like it's improved that much. Yeah, what do you what do you think, Kim? Do you? I, I kind of echo what Ken said because if I instruct my you know users to a screenshot of something I took on my site, and then their admin looks more like this, mm. you know, that's a jarring experience for them. Um, but at the same time, I think there are lots of people racing to you know, reduce the amount of time users spend in the admin, make it a front end experience, you know, both to post and to just view view your site. So I think that'll be, you know, everyone's racing to do it. There's also Extendify, which is a new kind of, uh, kind of building the same thing. They're building a more user-friendly, usable version of WordPress. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these all move forward. I yeah. work less with, with clients now, so I'm not as, Uh, confronted with that confusion on a daily basis and the training involved in it. I think that's my exact problem. I think Ken has also hit the nail on the head is that essentially it's me logging into my own website more or less most of the time now. And so I kind of know where everything is and I've become used to it. And so I don't really question it. It was only that moment where I thought, actually, I'm going to spend 20 minutes looking at other um, UI interfaces and see if they can be improved. And then this post came along and I just thought it was really curious. You're right though, you know, if you wanted to have some sort of cross website video tutorials that you can push into the admin of your uh, your clients where it tells them how to, I don't know, create a post or update something or delete something or, you know, load something into the media library, you are really going to be stuck with this kind of thing. Um, and also, I guess this will have to try and keep pace with whatever WordPress does as well. So if mm-hmm. WordPress modifies something, these guys will be having to react to that. Um, and yeah, uh, so can I take your point? For the meantime, stick with WP Admin, but pray that maybe it gets a little bit of a facelift. And you know what my other fear here too is, and I was looking at some of the features and the functionalities for the plugin, and you know, it's it's chocked full of stuff with like page speed builder and stuff, different stuff like that. And I'm wondering how many files or how much code is in this plugin, and does it wear on the um the bandwidth of the website? 
Does it take a long time for it to load? And so, I mean, am I excited? Absolutely. You know, certain things like dark mode, of course, anybody who knows me, I'm a big dark mode fan. Um, And then, you know, some of the removal of administrative notifications, like, you know, how many of those you get in a um, WordPress site. So those two alone are just like automatic. Yes, I would love that. But at the same point, if you're going into the back end to just get a couple of things done, hey, I need to just do a post or, hey, I need to just um, input a um a product, then having to kind of navigate through this new dashboard and if it might wear on your um, speed may not be worth it in the long run. Yeah, it's a really good point. Let's hope that we get some sort of extensible system built into WordPress where you can modify. You know, imagine a situation where, dare I say it, Gutenberg could be used to to do the the, the sort of <laughs> color palettes and the global styles of the WP admin, and you could just upload some sort of theme.json file, and all of your WordPress admins are exactly the same. Some curious comments coming through. So uh, Daniel uh, commenting again. He says he's used Admin Menu Editor Pro. Admin Menu Editor. I'm trying to think if that's one that I've ever seen before. I can't say that it is. Uh, to customize the side menus to better organize groups. Oh, okay, so you've sort of hidden things. You've got rid of spurious stuff, which maybe the editor role never really needed to see. Also, use it to change the background end to brand colors. That's nice. Make it feel a bit more personal and override the login screen. Okay, so it can do all of those things. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Chris Hughes, does it hide Yoast banners though? Well, now there's a there's a question. We may get onto some Yoast news at the end. And uh, Peter, hello, Peter. Peter Ingersoll uh, prefers creating a custom editor admin page versus messing around with left sidebar or straying too far from the core. Oh, okay, so... So do you literally, Peter, create a page that they then that you dump all of the like the links for the, I don't know, adding a post or adding a page, and then they visit that page as if it were the admin? Or are you using something like, I don't know, Beaver Thema and dropping Thema layouts into the into the admin backend? That's curious. That's an interesting way of doing it. Oh yeah. And then there's David von Gries who has um, Ultimate Dashboard Pro. That's another one. And there is um, WP Admin Pages Pro, which is a Rindo Duque from WP Ultimate. He's got one as well, hasn't he? There's a whole way of doing this, so we'll have to see what people think. Anyway, there you go. Oh, okay. Thank you, Peter, for clearing that up. Yes, Dashboard Homepage Links as an, an instructions. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's I think I read in that Adminify that it it has that feature, so you can add a new admin page and put kind of tutorial information for the person who's doing the day to day editing. That's nice, um, rather wow. than having to code it as a developer that you could, you know, turn that on. I guess as a feature. Kim, you and I are no longer sort of building client websites, but it sounds like Ken that you you're still. You've got your feet firmly in that. Do you yes. do you offer this like as a thing? Does does the WordPress admin ever come up in conversations? Like, do you do you say, okay, we're going to skin it, we're going to make it look beautiful, we're gonna we're gonna come into your office and teach all of your uh, anybody who may touch the website how to do it all? Do you get involved in all of that, like post website <laughs> creation help and assistance? I I think there's not as much conversation about that, only because really. They can care less. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. if you're in a business, hey, as long as my storefront looks good, as long as the actual inside of the store looks good, people can buy stuff and navigate the store, they're fine. The back closet is whatever. 
<laughs> so, yeah. As, <laughs> <laughs> yes. so, I mean, I truly don't believe people care too much about the WordPress backend. As long as they could go post pages and they can um, make modifications that they need to make, they're fine. They're not in there long enough to be, you know, worried about the backend WordPress admin. Now, I personally care about it just because I'm in the WordPress community, but they can care. Yeah, they don't care yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. I've invented another, another hashtag WP drama that really <laughs> did not need to exist. But I do like I do like Peter's idea. Somebody, no, 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 no. It was Daniel's idea. I, I have done that quite a bit of just getting rid of menu items which have no business um, existing that just – cause confusion what happens if i yeah. press this you know nothing happens you get the you get the screen which tells you you can't access that okay <laughs> that's helpful okay let's move on in that case thank you for that though lots of interesting thought around that right we're talking security it's been a while since we did security actually as far as i can remember we haven't had a security piece on for a long long time um this one is over on the security blog this again, if you need another reason not to uh, not to create e-commerce website, here may be one. <laughs> this this is the WooCommerce Skimmer spoofs checkout pages. Now, the guys over. At, so, by the way, if you can hear um, a sort of noise, I think Kim has got. Is it is it like some sort of garden blower or yes. something going on? Yeah, it's the fall leaves are being are being cared for right now. Oh, that's I'm that's so okay. Don't, no, no, it's fine. I just in case people are going, hang on, what's wrong with my what's wrong with my audio? It isn't you, it is us. So um, this is a recent uh, bug report that sort of got filed, and uh, security looked into it, uh, only to discover horror of horrors that a little piece of JavaScript, which was encoded uh, in such a way as to look like a JavaScript a jQuery file. Um, and then when they dug deeper, essentially anything, any page which had this string in it, let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, if it had the word order, checkout, command, cart, direction, minha conta, I don't know why that would be in there, account, checkout, all these other different bits and pieces, um, then it would it would pop up this this problem. And essentially, the problem is that it's asking for credit card details. It has no business asking for credit card details. And in this particular case, this was, it seems like just some chance, some, dare I say it, inexpert um, person who just thought, well, I've got the skills to force a WordPress website with a certain string in the URL to pop up a credit card prompt and say, give us your credit card number. It's fairly clumsy. You know, honestly, somebody like me, I'm going to fall for that 0% of the time. But my, I've got relatives who would fall for that a bit. You know, if the, if the warning sounded appropriate, like your website is going to be locked down, you've forgotten to pay your hosting fee, something like that. And they're really not sure. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought the hosting was paid for, but okay, I'll, I'll fill it out and just be sure. All of a sudden, you've you've just lost your credit card details, and all you did was log into the back end of your WordPress website. So stuff like this, not only does it make me angry, it sort of terrifies me, and I don't really have anything to share other than you know go and read the post, and uh, if you've obviously you know come across anything like this, do report it to Sakuri. But now that I know that Kim, you know, you've definitely got yourself into the e-commerce angle. What are your thoughts on this kind of stuff? Does this stuff keep you awake at night? Um, to a degree, but I also think that merchants are building in, like Stripe, for example, we talked about earlier, they're building in a lot of uh, prevention and, and early detection of things. Um, so, you know, for this, it wouldn't have protected in this case. 
Um, but for people using like our e-commerce checkout, there's a lot that Stripe is watching with how your API is being hit. Um, and it can, it can detect things faster, you know, than even security can detect when, when malicious things are happening um, on your site. But in this case, it wouldn't have protected that. But um, I don't know, I personally have had my credit card information stolen from shopping <clears throat> online. And it's often, you know, a few conversations with your credit card company, and then the things get resolved. So that's a, just a tough one. I think what this article pointed out was that there were dozens of administrator accounts, and the access yeah. was obtained through brute force, you know, yeah. just continuing to try to break that. So that's kind of what we try to do with our customers is be like, you know, maybe two admin accounts is all you need and, and mm -hmm. um, limit what they can do in the back end. Maybe this admin tool we talked about earlier can can do that. But some of those other plugins that scope the capability of the user account uh, locked in and, and just disable some things. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. I think the site had 15 admins, and so you got 15 vulnerability, 15 points of attack. And if just one of those people had changed their admin to... Do you, do you know what the most common... This is a bit of stale news, but it's about four years old probably now. I listened to a podcast called Security Now. Do you know what the most commonly used password is? It is so weird. Is it, is it one, two, three, four? I'm trying to remember which no, is something. No, no. It is not password, monkey, is it? It's the word monkey followed by one, two, three. Monkey Isn't that weird? But like, why monkey? Of all, th anyway. So that's if you, they're probably just going monkey one two three. Let's try it on that one. And so, so that that news is probably stale. Get yourself a password manager, by the way. Um, but yeah, this, that's a good point. I think there's two things here um, when I look at this. One is password. You know, like you said, it's it's the point of, and, and it's kind of one of the things I have a small concern about when it comes to password usage in WordPress. Eventually, you have to say, look, we need to really invest in better password, you know, some type of password strength management in WordPress where, you yeah. know, you use um, some symbols, capitalizations, numbers, because I'll come to clients and they'll say, hey, can you do, um, you know, all lowercase, five word, five letters, and that's my password? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, no. That, and it's a common word. And I'm like, no, that's terrible. You're just just lining yourself up just to be hacked. And um, so that's one of my big concerns there is just password um, training, how to create good passwords. <laughs> and then the other one is, in this instance, the actual um, page that was coming up, that was very simple. Um, yeah. It could have been much more elaborate um, where you could have a lot of styling. They could have selected a whole bunch of other um, words that mattered um, more so than just account. And so this could have been a much more elaborate um, hack. And like you said, for anybody like you and I, we would recognize this instantly, but if it's really well, um, well, well done, then anybody could have been like, oh, okay, they have a paywall. Hey, to see access information, this is a paywall. Please put in your credit card information. And the right. next thing you know, credit cards right. are gone just like that. So It's on the front I, end. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. And you've got to imagine that whoever this person is, this it almost feels like this is my first go. Let's just Absolutely. see what happens. And then we'll iterate and we'll hear the feedback on the on the you know on the podcast and the in the press and we'll read the blogs and see where we screwed up and we'll have another go and let's see where we go <laughs> next time. Just out of interest then, just just for, for your own 
personal use. I'll tell you what I do for just about anything. I use LastPass, and I create a unique password for every single service that I sign up to. I go for 50 characters because I just think, well, why not? Um, because if LastPass is remembering it, it might as well be, well, it could be 3,000 as far as I care. But I know that 50 is really out of the bounds of current technology to 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 sort of decrypt. So I, I use that. And then if anything is possible for me to 2FA, I use that LastPass is authenticated, which is just like um, the Google one, or I presume there's one on the Apple side where, you know, you get the QR code and you scan it and it gives you some... Uh, some options, and you have to type in the six-digit code each time you log in. And the mantra, I guess, is, you know, with security comes inconvenience. You can't have better security without it becoming more inconvenient. But I'm happy to do that. Um, and so I Absolutely. do that. And and also these days, my bank, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys, my bank, every single transaction now comes up as a notification on my phone within five or six seconds of it happening. So if um, if I spend five cents, I don't spend five cents, I spend five <laughs> pence um, on anything, it appears on the phone in real time. And so I can see that and I've prioritized that notification. And that's probably been going for me for about three years. And thus far, nothing weird has come up where I thought, that's not me because I'm not actually in a shop buying anything. Um, but it, uh, but that's really helpful as well. And that makes me feel sort of reassured that nothing is exiting my account. Prior to having that, though, I was once at the shops and I got a phone call and the bank said, are you buying gold watches and pearls at the moment? And I said, no. And they said, okay, we'll get back to you. And then, then they got back to me and said, yeah, somebody just bought 10 gold watches and a string of pearls with your credit card number. And I said, how did you know? And they said, we can't tell you, but we knew it wasn't you. And I just thought, well, that's clever. <laughs> it's not. They, they look right at your transaction history. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Does Nathan buy a bunch of pearls and watches? And pearls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But apparently they do that stuff just before Christmas. The, the fraudsters mm. will purchase things. And in this case, it's probably the number of golden watches. If it had been one gold watch and a string of pearls, it might not have triggered the warning. But they buy, allegedly, they buy things which consider, wouldn't necessarily hit the, the cart in a normal run of the year, but gift time. Okay. Here's some weird stuff that I don't normally buy. Anyway, they got a bit greedy and tried 10. <laughs> yeah. 10 is a bit much. They probably yeah. got away with two, but I never yeah. got them either. Damn. And I, I think the other one that you deal with as well is the person who, who has taken it in and they just ping a whole bunch of various locations. Um, and you're just like, okay, I'm paying for gas here in Columbia, but hey, I just got pinged for a purchase in Chicago. How could you be in Chicago two minutes later when you're paying yeah. for gas in Columbia? Yeah, so. yeah. My uh, my banking has all gone totally on the phone. I've now adopted a bank where there's no branches at all. Everything's done through chat or voice, you know, and um, and it's all done on the phone. I know it's a bit dystopian. I'm sure a lot of people no, it's like, great. like the yeah. All I'm guess, all I'm making is great to me too. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> would still like the high street to be there, and I can imagine a scenario where in the future that isn't really going to be the case. Um, yeah, but Michelle Frischess. <laughs> She says, I thought they were gifts for all the podcast guests. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah no comment. <laughs> Anybody want a gold watch? Um, okay, let's move on. We're fast approaching the end. We've got about 20 minutes to go. Let's hit the last couple. Now, this is interesting. Google getting in a bit of hot water this week. I don't feel like I'm the... <laughs> 
my phone just went off and okay google uh sorry you shouldn't have said that word everybody's phone's just gone <laughs> off apologies the um okay so if you've been in the wordpress space for any length of time or building websites you know that um accelerated mobile pages amp uh came around a little while ago and there was a full push more or less from every direction it felt at the time like this is the future we want all things to be amped uh so that they load quicker um i never jumped on that bandwagon i don't quite know why but i just thought i'm not getting involved with this because it's so proprietary so i just stuck with normal server side stuff um now it would appear that Google has been slightly disingenuous in the offering of AMP, and that is to say that they were in, uh, offering, they were basically slowing down sites that weren't AMPed um, by up to a second in order to increase the ranking in the in the little carousel at the top of Google for pages that were AMPed, and so. It, the, the narrative goes a bit like this. Okay, we've offered this technology that we want the web to adopt and we want everybody to use our AMP technology. Okay, that's fine. But nobody seems to be adopting it or at least it doesn't seem to be working all that well. So what we're going to do is we're going to slow everybody else's down a little bit in the sense that we're going to offer those premium spots at the top to websites which are using AMP. Of course, now that this has been found out, and it appears that court documents have revealed um, this, and I'm reading from an article by Sarah Gooding. It's a really nice piece, actually. You should read it. It's called AMP Has Irreparably Damaged Publishers' Trust in Google-Led Initiatives. Okay, so they've got their hands wrapped over this, but the argument kind of goes, okay, well, why should we ever trust Google again? Who is Google to tell the world how we ought to design our websites, particularly around speed. So you've got things like Core Web Vitals, which from everybody that I've spoken to who follows it seems to actually think, well, this does make a great deal of sense, that you know, there's nothing in there which is weird or controversial. But then you've got things like this flock technology, this federated learning of cohorts, where they're trying to modify the the landscape for tracking and the way you can be tracked around the internet and make it so that you're put into silos of similar people for a couple of weeks and all of that. Uh, we've talked about that, and I'm sorry if I haven't got time to explain it all, but basically the, the argument goes, why on earth should anybody trust Google uh, with these initiatives trying to design the future of the internet now when we just know now that there is that there can be ulterior motives? Just to put some context on it, 10 years ago, anything that Google did, I jumped on. I mean, immediately. Google came out with Gmail. I signed up to be a beta user, and I'm still actually using it. You know, I was using their feed reader. Soon as their browser came out, I was all over that. I ditched whatever it was at the time, IE7 or something, and I was all in on Chrome and, and, and synced everything with Chrome, and you started using Google Docs and all of that kind of stuff. My feeling about Google as a company is is slowly but surely changing, and I'm going in exactly the opposite direction, and I'm trying to decouple myself for exactly things like this. You know, there are publicly owned, I don't know if that's the right word in the United States, but they're, they're, you know, they have a, a responsibility to make shareholders happy. And, and I see that the conflict between that mission and the mission to make the internet a better place is a difficult one to, you know, a difficult tightrope to walk. And then right at the bottom of the article, the sort of thing that makes it relevant for WordPress is that automatic 
were also responsible for being a part of the the initial rollout of this. They collaborated with Google, and they were an early adopter, and they made uh, an AMP um, plugin available on the .com side, and I believe it was available in .org. As I say, I didn't really use it. Um, and then when pressed about it by Sarah in this article, you get these kind of non-answer answers from what can only – it feels like it's – some sort of lawyer. It's gone through the prism of a lawyer or something saying, well, we didn't really know about that at the time. And I don't have an axe to grind against automatic, but I, I do feel my trust in Google has been diminished. And so that's, that's it really. I wondered where you guys are at. Uh, I guess for me, um, <laughs> right, it's a big one, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's that, you know, which side do you kind of want to sway on it? For me personally, I've done my due diligence of trying to remove all of our business information off of Google as hmm. much as I could. Um, so even back in um, 2016, I went as far as to tell my business partner, I said, look, we're not going to use Gmail. We were using Gmail to manage our emails. And I was like, no, we got to go. We're going to use um, our own hosted email from the hosted um, company. And we're going to have all of our emails there because I'm almost absolutely sure the emails are being looked at. Because like you said, being that Alphabet, um, Google is a publicly traded company, their goal is to make sure that their investors are well taken care of. And when it comes down to it, the more they know about you, the more they can sell you. And so you have to look at it that way as, <clears throat> as Google is going to look out for what can make them profitable and make their investors profitable. Now, in regards to automatic, I don't know, because really, you, 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 you could always come in with good intent in the beginning to say, OK, well, absolutely. I'm hoping that, you know, you are being genuinely honest with what you're telling me, hey, you're actually trying to help improve the web. But as mentioned before, you don't really know because Google can show one hand and then be hiding the other hand behind their back. So that's the only problem. You have to really, when you look at certain things, you have to look at, okay, is Google really truly interested in our well-being? Are they really truly interested in improving the web? Or are they really trying to just, hey, let's get you on so that we can say, hey, we have automatic backing us as well. And sometimes people mm. like that. They like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, that is a really good point. Kim, have you got any thoughts on this? So you're yeah, nodding I a guess, little bit. Yeah. yeah, I know it's a very hard thing. Um, it's like an enemies closer, keep your friends close, enemies, you know, like. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. And then at the same time, you look at smaller companies who you would take your business to and, and you have really like very little visibility into how they operate, you know, the checks and balances on smaller companies who you might host your email with um, and what they might be doing with your information, other search engines you might be logged into and using. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think as companies get bigger, they're capable of doing these, these you know, egregious acts, but also it gets found out. It gets talked about publicly. Um, I don't know. I think I kind of sit in the middle here. We do use a lot of Google services for our own products. Um, but I, I think there's enough checks and balances in their organization because they're public. They don't want to, you know, be defamed too much and have these kinds of things repeatedly happening too. So you know, there's incentive in their, in their company to, you know, act on the up and up, I guess you would say at the same time. 
But, it's know, just sorry, you carry on. Carry I was, was going to say nothing, but you know, um, one of the things that are really hard here is that because Google has such a they they catch so much across the internet landscape, you cannot go without using them. So, I mean, just for all of my clients, I use Google Analytics because hey, it's the most easiest, simplest. I won't say it's easiest, it's simplest. Well, let me take that back. Let's go back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it is simple enough for them, based on a, the plugin that is being implemented into the WordPress site, for them to understand what's going on their web page. And of course, Google Analytics is free. Um, Google um, was it con- um, was it console manager? I think it's console manager tag tag manager tag manager tag manager. Yeah, you just put that in, and then it helps your website get found in the search engines. And so there's so much stuff that Google provides that helps you get visible on the web that you're like, okay, if I don't use it, then I'm failing my company's visibility online. Um, so you have to choose. Okay, well. How long do I stay with Google if I do use Google? And then once I realize that Google is just selling me out for their investors, when do I leave? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. We see, we are in a sort of a point of something pretty unique, I think, on the internet. You know, if, if you cast your mind back to, I think you're all old enough to have lived in a period where there really wasn't an internet where there was just brick, bricks and mortar stuff and you had to go and get in a car or walk to a store and you hand over some physical cash and you get something in return. I really, I'm struggling to find almost anything in life that was free, where mm-hmm. there wasn't an actual financial transaction. Um, you know, if you wanted anything, you had to pay for it and you would set up a subscription or you'd pay in cash or whatever. And then the internet came along and, and suddenly data was was a commodity which in the future would have value. And so people like Google worked out that, boy, man, we could really make a buck or two if we can get enough data to sell it to our advertisers so that essentially the ads become almost irresistible. You, you see an ad and you're like, whoa, that's what I want. I really need that. Um, you know, right now I want a surfboard or, you know, I've been searching for surfboards or whatever it might be. And oh, man. And and so we're in this period of time where we really have, and it's, we've heard this argument thousands of times, but it, it, you said it, Ken, Google Analytics is free, except it's totally not free. It's, <laughs> it's like free at the point of no money is transacted, but you are giving up an awful lot. And that, I think that's the point that's concerning me is that I have really no window into what that non-free bit actually looks like. You know, what is the sum total of the value to Google of just my little bit of data. Um, I am fairly good at preventing Google, e- even where Google would like to be. You know, I switch on ad blockers and I use Brave, which I'm, I'm hopeful is stopping a lot of that sort of stuff. So I think my little footprint has probably shrunk in, the, in more recent times, and I don't use Google as a search engine anymore. But a, a typical person using Chrome, browsing the internet, using Gmail and so on and so forth. You've got to imagine that their footprint over the days, weeks, months and years, and, you know, got Android, your maps are giving your location away and all that kind of stuff. You've got to imagine that you are worth lots of money. And that's the conundrum. That's the bit where I don't, where I don't feel comfortable. And it's because I don't feel comfortable that I'm slowly backing away. I've got no reason to not trust them, but I equally don't really have any reason to trust them. And I think that's the argument they haven't made. Yeah. I think you absolutely. mentioned it that it's because of our age, but when I look at my children, 
I think that they are embracing how they're being tracked because it's giving them better YouTube video recommendations right. and it's kind of improving their lives and they're not questioning it. So that's the worrisome thing, I suppose. <laughs> we might be the last generation of people that hesitates. Yeah. Do you, when you talk to your kids about online privacy, because I'm a bit of an old curmudgeon, you know, I speak about the, this kind of stuff all the time. I just get the eyes rolling. You know, it's just like, oh, dad, who cares? It's just, I get good videos on YouTube. I don't care that it's tracking me. Okay, but it matters. Think about, yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not working. It's too irresistible. Okay. Okay. There we go. That's it. I think, unless either of you guys have got anything else to add, feel free to do it now. No, I think that is it. Um, it is a wrap in that case. Just before we go, because you're um, both new to us, I'd like to give you both in turn a moment to just tell us, you know, tell us what you're doing this week or some little website URL or Twitter handle that you'd like to drop. In other words, it's a little moment for you to just sort of show off about yourself or, you know, tell us about where you're going to be hanging out this week. So let's start with Kim. Sure. Um, I'm be working on paid memberships pro this week, preparing a lot of content um, and things that have to go out for our black Friday sale. So um, we are doing a, a lot of pages do black Friday roundups, but we've been for the past few years doing a roundup of people that use our software exclusively. So it's a cool way to hmm. showcase if you are using our product, um, you can submit it through our Twitter handle PM pro plugin uh, or to our website, we have a form to submit Black Friday sales, but it's specifically people who are running a sale with their membership site. So a different kind of uh, aggregator. That's very nice. Oh, I like that. That's, that's awesome. a bit more. Yeah, that's, that's very awesome. cool. That's nice and personal. Uh, where can we contact you if you wish to divulge that? Sure. You can go to paidmembershipspro.com slash contact. You can submit information there. My personal Twitter handle is ColemanK83. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Kim and Ken. Absolutely. So uh, I'm just first thankful to be on the, um, the podcast. It's, just, it's been awesome. I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so I one of the things that. I got to do um, Wednesday, I got to do a site launch for, which is kind of funny because I say small and medium sized businesses, but this was actually pretty large. I'm doing a career site for an um, airline. So um, let's just say, <laughs> let's just say that I need to get that done. Um, yeah. Thursday what are you doing then, here? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so let's just say that um, I got to get that finished Thursday, got a training with them Friday. And so that's kind of my week right there is getting this website completed. This career That is, finished. that's so cool. I'm so pleased to hear that you, it's, you know, it's a ball. Got, yeah, that's fabulous. <laughs> well done. Where can, if, if people wish to find you, email, Twitter, handle, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, we're Be Creative, um, B K R E A T I V E dot net. Um, you can find me, though, at on Twitter at Kenneth Speaks, K E N N E T H Speaks with an S. And just chat about whatever you want to talk about. Hey, I will re I will retweet or reply to whatever you send to me. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Now, unfortunately, you didn't know this bit was coming, but we make we make we ask <laughs> we ask all of our guests just at the end to wave because I use the little wave. Can we all wave? Any chance, Kim? Can you wave? Yay! And that'll do it. And then we end the show basically on a little wave. So thank you, Kim. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. Again, really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next sure. week. Thanks for all the comments. Really appreciate your participation. Bye-bye for now.